Shiver me timbers! It's another episode of the Fennecast, brought to you by Toonami Faithful. I am your captain today, Sketch, and with me, I have... Avast it be an editorial writer, Laserkid! Well, he's getting into it. And... I don't know how I'm going to follow that one up. Uh, a pirate's life for me! <laughs> it's the, I'm the social media director, um, Celia Rose. It's okay. You'll get it eventually. Eventually. It'll take time. I blame my dad. My dad's thinking of pirates. <laughs> mm, fair enough. It's just it's just fun. It's fun to talk like pirates. Yarhar, it be. When talking about a piratey show. So this episode will cover episodes three and four of Fena, Pirate Princess. And uh, we'll start with a little recap of the events. So in episode three, Barbaral... Ba 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 brawl. <laughs> <laughs> we learn that the blonde man from the first episode is a high-ranking uh, Royal Naval officer named Abel. And Abel enlists a group of female pirates to look for Fena and the creepy guy, Maxiver Jr., who is also a naval officer, goes with them. Uh, Fena and her crew dock at the free island Barbaral as the title would suggest, to resupply and get Fena some seaworthy attire. Because even though they provided her with a boat and a crew, they didn't think, maybe we should get you some clothes, too. Nah, the dress is fine. You know, it's fine. <laughs> didn't she tell me, like, oh, but it's nice. <laughs> yeah, but it's no <laughs> good for being out on the sea. And it's a little, you know, conspicuous. Oh, 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 just a wee little bit. Just, just, just a tad. Just a tad. Uh, as, as the deal goes, somebody has to stay behind. And though his best efforts, it ends up being Yukimaru. And he has to stay behind to guard their submersible ship, Bonito 2. Why Bonito? Because it tastes good. That's good enough reason for me. Mm-hmm. So everybody has been on this island before, except for Karin. She hasn't been there before. And you can tell because she's very excited to be there. So Karin, Tsubaki, Shitan, and Makaba, though they keep arguing over when to get food and when to resupply. And Tsubaki's like, no, dinner is not the most important thing. Uh, they lose track of Fena and the twins, Enju and Kaede who wander off on their own to help Fena find some new clothes. So first they go to a hat shop and they get her a nice bandana after trying a few other hats. And I like the captain hat. I think that could have worked. I liked but it too. That was a nice look. The bandana is cute. That. <laughs> I don't know, first... man. The missed opportunity of the pineapple hat. The pineapple uh, hat would have, see, if they got in the pineapple hat, the mystery already would have solved, so that would be too easy. That's, um, that's absolutely... a fair point. Absolutely true. But if one <laughs> dressing montage wasn't enough, we get a second one, because now she's got to get some, you know, clothes. And, uh, why aren't they selling a suit of armor? <laughs> and why did she try it on? Is I, well, <laughs> I, I mean, suppose if there's, if there's a suit of armor, why wouldn't you try it on, right? I mean, just to try on. I feel why? like that was the twins' choice. I feel like oh, that's oh, 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 probably. <laughs> they're already tired of making sure she's safe, so they're just going to put her in a suit of armor. There. Job's done. 
nothing to worry about. So after Finna settles on an outfit, and I think we can all agree, it's very cute. Uh, they have a delicious looking meal. I mean, dang, that the anime food. Mm. Anime food is in full force in this show. Absolutely. And uh, Fena notices another clear stone like the one that her father left behind at one of the shops. And the twins haggle with the old shopkeep, who is a bit of a pervert, by the way. And he agrees to trade them the stone and information on its origin for the nifty handheld lighter that Karin designed. Karin's just, just making lighters. I mean, she made a submarine. Why not a lighter? She designed the submarine. She didn't build it. Uh, true, true. Important distinction. That is but she certainly built a lot of gadgets herself. Including guns. Yeah. Yeah. Very, lots of ingenuity, that one. So now, as we mentioned before, the uh, female pirates and Maxifer Jr. were sent after Fena, and what do you know, they found her already, and they try to capture her, but the twins hold them off for the most part until Yukimura shows up. Oh my gosh, I did it again. Oh no! <laughs> it's the curse. It is it's the curse. The curse. Because I also have been accidentally referring to him as Yukimura instead of Yukimaru. <laughs> Literally, the only reason I remember is basically it's Snowman. His name is Snowman. It is. It's Snowman. Yukimaru. 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 Now I have summoned him. <laughs> uh, I probably need to be five times. Uh, I'm going to stop at three. <laughs> three is good uh, enough for Beetlejuice. So, so I will note that uh, he doesn't know this is happening, but he shows up after the others get back, and they're like, uh, the twins and Fena didn't come back yet? Uh, they're probably screwing around. And he's like, I must go to her. So he's uh, he takes his uh, his job very seriously. My people need me. Takes my sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Yukimaru shows up just in the nick of time, even though the twins are doing just fine keeping Fena safe themselves. But he takes her away to safety. But in the process, uh, one girl who's a real crack shot manages to shoot him with a musket ball. And it does some pretty good damage. And Fena offers to wrap up the wound. But <laughs> Yuki Mario in this adorable moment just recoils at her touch. She's like, no, don't touch me. I'm nervous. Can't you tell I'm nervous? I don't know how to handle women. Help. Does he not know how to handle women? Uh, I, well, I think, I think it's more Fena, but, you know, I had to yeah, make a joke. I think it's, I think it's just Fena. As we it's because he's at Sundere. It's true. It's he's true. so cold to her and is, like, you know, bonking her on the head that when she shows affection, he's like, no. And he even has the, like, classic Sundere pout he with does. the blush. He does. He, he does for sure. Oh, scaling back a bit when he's just hanging out at the ship and he's like, what What could have gone wrong? I set it up perfectly so I'd get to go. Dog, you need to understand this. He's just talking to Bro. <laughs> like to you. Like and Bro's like, hmm. <laughs> I, just, I just loved that moment where he's talking to the dog. because It was a great else. moment. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. I enjoyed it. I, I appreciate showing the gap moe. 
right? That would be it to get my way. <laughs> Yukimaru. Yes, Yukimaru is very moe, whether he uh, realizes it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I should mention that uh, right when they got into town, some woman saw Shitan and was like, I want you. He's <laughs> like, but I don't have any money. That's okay. I love that he didn't stop her. He's like, okay, I'm broke, but okay. <laughs> I, if it's not clear in the third episode, it's clear by the fourth episode that his character flaw is he is definitely a scoundrel. He <laughs> has maybe. to be. He's too beautiful not to be one. There has to be so, some sort of flaw to Shitan. I mean, yeah. he's, he's the tramp from Lady and the Tramp. What are you going to do? He's he's nice, he's helpful, he's gorgeous, he has to be a scoundrel. That's how it works. We yep. don't make the rules. We don't make the rules. It's anime uh, law, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And just in case you thought that Yukimaru was the only one bonking people's heads around here, back on the ship, Tsubaki's choice to uh, scold Fena and the twins is to first bop them on the head... And then have Makaba toss them into the water. Just, okay. Well, I mean, as you do. And now they're going to have to, like, wring out their clothes or something, I guess. Fena's brand new clothes. So inconsiderate. But that'll teach her for flying off the handle. Going and doing her own thing. Maybe. (laughs) But as he has failed at his task... Abel has decided that Maxifer Jr. is no longer worth having around and throws him to his doom off of another ship. Bummer. But I'm not sad to see him go. Not really. I, the way I would phrase it, nothing of value was lost. Mm. What a striking that- contest, Trass, having those two scenes back to back. Yeah. With- Benna and the twins get thrown overboard, but it's like when you're playing at the beach with your friends and they toss you in the water versus Max Sevier being thrown to his death. Yeah. yeah. Like, what a stark contrast. (laughs) It's kind of some whiplash there. Well, you know, context, it makes all the difference. That's a good point. I mean, perhaps the difference is it's dark and stormy and he's chained up. Well, and he also says he doesn't like being in the water, so I think it's pretty obvious that guy can't really swim. Oh, probably. Um, he ate a gum gum fruit after all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. But I'm not. I don't think. I, I don't think so. What was hit? No, he didn't get the gum gum fruit. He he got some other power, and I'm not sure what it was. He got the not good fruit. <laughs> the, 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 the the fruit that just the power is being unpleasant. Ah, uh, that sounds right. So moving on to episode four, the mystery of the stone. Uh, Fena asks Shitan to teach her how to fight with a weapon after she has an argument with Yukimaru, which basically amounts to Yukimaru saying, hey, you don't have to do anything. We're supposed to defend you. And she's like, no, I want to fight for myself. I don't want to be, you know, saved all the time. And he's like, stop it. You're overcomplicating things. And Shitan notes that normally Yukimaru just bops people on the head when he doesn't agree with them. But he actually raised his voice with Venna. Initially, uh, Shitan tries to teach Venna how to use the bow 
again, like in the second episode. It doesn't go as well this time. She's not really picking it up at all. No, so not really. He decides maybe she'd be better off with a different person teaching her something and <laughs> suggests that Tsubaki, who he believes is the uh, closest in skill level to Fena, that uh, he would be a good teacher to teach her how to use a sword. And of course, Tsubaki takes this very gracefully. <laughs> or not at all. And then he tries to convince the others, and they're all like, no, uh uh-uh, uh, not happening. But as Shitan tries to teach her how to use a sword himself, everybody seems to kind of get into the swing of things and try to teach her how to use the other weapons. And even Karin, probably much to her dejection, tries to teach her how to use a gun, and it literally blows up in her face. (laughs) Poor thing. And she gets elbowed in the nose. (laughs) It's just not a good day. Maybe try a different kind of gun. That's got to be a lot of recoil on that thing. (laughs) Oh, oh, well. Oh, by the way, Yukimaru doesn't try to help her train at all. In fact, he almost seems oblivious to the situation occurring. But he seems like he got maybe a little bit jealous when Fena motor mouths all about how great Shitan is. He, he at least hangs on the words that he has a way with women. <laughs> yeah, especially because he's been actively avoiding her since she's joined their crew. Yeah. So her talking about another guy all of a sudden, especially knowing that he's such a scoundrel, it caught his attention. He's like, wait a second. What have I done? <laughs> and- I don't know. Maybe it's just phrasing, but the way he says he has the nuts for these. Oh my. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of. Yes, Shitan does have the nuts for those and these. Well, you know what they say sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Yes, indeed. Oh, I should mention that. At the very beginning of this episode, Finna has some kind of dream vision where a voice calls to her and says, do you choose blue water or a stormy sea? And then she, like, turns into petals and wakes up. There's probably something going on there. Almost certainly, especially some of the later hints we're going to get here. Mm, yes. So, though the twins were not particularly helpful in identifying where they were supposed to go, because they're not good at remembering anything, they do manage to arrive at the German village of Lieber-Obernstein, where they meet a beautiful woman named Arya, who takes them to see the Burgermeister, which is a mare, by the way. That's no burgers involved. He is not, in fact, the Burger King. Yeah. In exchange for Yukimaru sharpening his knife, the Burgermaster offers... Uh, <laughs> I, I say the one word, and then I screw up saying offers. That's great. <laughs> it's because we're in Germany. We offer over here. <laughs> we offer to help them find the origin of the stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He tells them that the stone 
and pay attention, this is important, actually came to the village from somewhere in France, but the buyer was listed as La Pucelle de Orleans, the nickname given to Joan of Arc. However, the listed date of purchase was in 1436, five years after she was burned at the stake, adding to the mystery of the stone. What's that all about? Your guess is as good as ours. Dun, dun, dun. It's a mystery. mystery. Oh, dang it. (laughs) The other mystery is, did the twins and Makaba break the fourth wall? (laughs) Like, we haven't been in many scenes lately. You should try to get a line in, Makaba. (laughs) This is delicious. I had to check the Japanese version to see if that's how that plays out. I wouldn't be surprised if it does. It's not like Japanese cartoons avoid breaking the fourth wall in their native oh, I tongue. Wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm actually kind of impressed how closely the dub is following the original Japanese because I watched this episode in Japanese to kind of refresh on mm. some events. So I just pulled it up on Crunchyroll and it follows it pretty closely. I'm actually really impressed at the localization for this series. Yeah. Yeah. There's maybe some more colloquial terms thrown in here and there, but for the most part, it it does seem to follow it very well. So uh, props to Marianne Miller. I believe she is the one adapting the script. We've had her on the podcast before, back when we were doing a fully Cooley alternative. So as Fenna's crew leave the village, Fenna recalls someone mentioning the name La Pucelle to her when she was young. And somewhere else, Abel admires a painting he calls La Pucelle. Mm. He also uh, mentions that uh, Fenna doesn't know who she really is. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and the person in the portrait who looks an awful lot like Fenna also has the locket that the heart-shaped locket something about that heart-shaped locket something about it and another detail from the third episode uh it seems like abel and o'malley have a certain relationship and i don't know what the deal is with o'malley but she sure looks a lot like that uh female pirate with red hair that seemed to be involved in attacking Franz's ship. Hmm. Hmm. Many questions. Many questions. All right. I think that about covers the main things other than, oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Uh, the reason why I think Yukimaru's just shy around Fena is because he's able to talk to Arya, who is quite beautiful, with really no hesitation. Yeah, he's, although he he's doesn't like seem all to, business with her. He does not seem to catch on to the romantic tension that literally everyone else in the cast is catching on to, though. He's just oblivious. Yeah. <laughs> she <does. laughs> so she clearly likes you. You want to go all the way? All the way with where, where, Go Go all the way where? Uh, Uh, we love our gorgeous scoundrel (laughs) 
And then he taunts Fenna, too. You know, if we stay the night, that woman is definitely going to get into his bed. <laughs> and the twins, contact. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yukimaru's talking to a girl. What is going on? And good old Karen trying to be the voice of reason. No, you're reading too much into it. And she turns like, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, oh my God. The characterization in this show is so good because they go, they transition so well between the seven warriors where they're fighting and you, and it's believable that they're all good at what they do, except Tsubaki because he's been labeled the worst swordsman already, um, you know, and that they're brave warriors and, and they're what their mission is and that you can trust them to defend Fena and help her reach Eden. But at the same time, they're also so human. I was like, my initial thought was, wow, these guys are like really immature because of all the like jokes that they make. But they also have, but it's because they have such good friendships with each other that they feel like actual people, not just here's one stereotype and here's another, even though they're all very clearly based on archetypes. Like I think they've done a really good job with characterization so far. And we're only four episodes in. I agree. 100% agree, and that's actually one of the things I really like about the show in general, and it just keeps getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just fun to watch this crew interact and play off of each other. Maybe a little too much abusive violence, but other than that, we're, <laughs> we're, we're pretty entertaining. It's all in fun for them. It's it, it, Again, it's, it's, again that's that context coming into play, where... You know, oh, I'm just throwing you over the edge because I'm going to murder you versus not throwing you over the edge. Ha, ha, ha. It's funny. Get your ass back in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I actually don't mind the bonking. It's very nostalgic. It reminds that, me of that anime is. that I used to watch in middle school and high school where characters would, like, pull out a hammer and just hit each other the good old, with it. The good old Baka hammer. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not. For me, it's like, oh, this feels like stuff I watched when I was a kid. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. I, I have some more feelings. There's definitely a nostalgia to this show that's present, which, yeah, depending like, on how you feel, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. It feels like some of the stuff I used to watch when I was getting into anime. So I, I'm definitely enjoying that. Yeah, I really love it. There's. There's something just really special about the aura with Fena as a whole, you know, and one of the things that I think really helps it is the fact that there is no 3D CG integration in this show. And that's something that was shared during the um, Crunchyroll Expo virtual panel earlier this year is that Hmm. everything is animated in 2D, which is pretty rare because even in shows that don't have obvious 3d cg models incorporated they use 3d cg in some way and you'll see it like like demon slayer is a great example where they'll use it for um for like fight choreography or for a character moving just so it moves like a little bit differently than if it were animated by hand and i think because fena lacks that it makes it feel more familiar especially Hmm. if you grew up with anime that didn't have that 3d cg integration yet oh wow yeah i I, I was not aware that there was no cgi involved that's that makes the the moving shots really impressive i agree right and i didn't know either but that adds a lot to it absolutely 
It's and so like, good. Even just animating the boat moving through the water, that's wow. <laughs> right? That's that that is <laughs> very impressive. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Nice and show. then like I feel like there's so much care that's been put into this so far. Um, like with the theme song, for example, if you read the lyrics, it actually, I think, hints at things that are coming for Fena. Yes, in the English lyrics, there's a lot of talk about heading to the east. Yes. Well, I mean, we already know that, but like what I'm talking about is that like the glowing necklace is reflected in the song lyrics for the English version. The song that she sings at the beginning of the episode, I think, is going to come up later because it's mentioned twice in the opening theme. Mm. Right. And then, like, after this reveal now with La Pucelle, the one of the final chorus lines in the opening theme is I can't hide from the fate, but won't let it take my dignity away. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is probably connected to that. So it's it's done such a good job of being an image song for Fena and really setting us up for like what may come without spoiling anything. Because you do have to be kind of careful when you're looking at theme song lyrics for anime. Sometimes there are massive spoilers in them because <laughs> they're about the show or about a oh, character, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's really neat. I love it. That is a nice touch. Yeah, uh, like Crunchyroll didn't subtitle the ending sequence to So I'm a Spider, So What? until like almost through the season because there's so many spoilers in the lyrics. Right? At least yeah. I think that's why they didn't do it. It might well, also be a matter of just not getting to it sooner. There's but. a couple of there's a couple of reasons why it could be. Like, for example, if the single isn't hasn't been out yet, so the official mm. lyrics haven't been released. Oh, that too. Then they can't do that because they have to have the lyrics given to them in order to add them as subtitles. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, my boyfriend works in uh, localization for domestic Japanese Blu-ray releases. So I've heard ah. lots of stories on his end about the frustrations of working with companies sometimes uh, in the in different materials that you receive. But the reality is, is that you have to actually have access to them in order to include them. Which is why, like, Crunchyroll mm. doesn't typically include subtitles on opening and ending themes. Because usually the singles for those or the albums for those are released within, like, two to three weeks of the anime starting to air. Because it's used as an additional promotional material. Right. Yeah. Which is why I can't find the Japanese lyrics for this song anywhere. Even though the Japanese version, the TV size, for um, This Ocean and Pearl and for Saihate are available on Spotify. But because neither of the singles come out until October, I can't find the lyrics anywhere. And it makes me sad. But I want to know. I want to know what they say. Yeah, I would like to know how, if at all, they're different. Because, of course, when it's translated, they have to handle things a bit differently in English. As anybody right? who tra translates a song from Japanese to English. Yeah, song translations have to be really loose in order to fit the you know tone and the beat. Yeah. Yeah. And the syllables. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's it's cool. There's just there's so much care put into this show so far. I really love it. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. And I'm like trying not to get too excited because it's also an original story an original anime. Like they either really nail it and they stick the landing or mm -hmm. they crash and burn in a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. why I'm like, I'm getting excited. 
but I'm staying cautious just in case this goes off the rails at some point. Yeah, they're trying to do something ambitious here, and whether or not they will stick the landing, yeah, I they, guess we'll we'll see in eight episodes. Well, at the very least, it can't be mediocre. It's going to be extreme one or the other. Right. At the very least, it'll be beautiful. Like, even oh, yeah. if the story mm-hmm. ends up just taking a nosedive and doing something completely unrelated and it doesn't work out, at least it'll look nice while it's doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least it will look nice. And boy, does it look nice. It looks nice. And the very expressive character animations are just... Mm, mm. Like, oh man. Those poor animators trying to animate Fena doing the fast talking. Gosh. <laughs> right? Yeah. She's so expressive. And shout out to the voice actresses, to, uh, to Asami Seto and... Of course, Brittany Cox for those deliveries are whew, really, they're, really they're impressive. They're so good. I love, like, Asami Seto is voiced in a couple other anime that I like, too. So when I saw that she was voicing Fena, I got really excited. Because she She's sings Mai. also. I love Mai in, in uh, Bunny Girl Senpai. She is. I, w- I yeah. was excited to see that. I was also excited to see uh, Aoyuki is, is Karin. Who is always a delight. Right? She's really good, too. So, yeah, like, part of me is like, there's no way this can go wrong. But I'm also like, knock on wood. <laughs> just I mean, in given, case. Given what we've seen, I think it's reasonable to, to assume this is being handled very well on the writing department so far. I don't mm-hmm. see it taking a nosedive at this point, just given how good they've set things up. Yeah, Everything seems so carefully planned thus far and very intentionally laid out that I think it's more likely it's going to succeed and stick the landing for this first season. If there are more seasons to come, we'll have Mm. to see. I'm glad that they already have an idea of the mystery of the stone and aren't like waiting six, seven episodes into find out anything about the darn thing. Yeah, oh my god, same. That, I was so worried about that. I'm like, okay, so we're going to waste time. To, nope, no, we're getting right to it. Okay. Yeah. I think that's also why this feels so special, is we're so used to shows that drag it out for the sake of being further promotion for like a continuing season or whatever other media is going to be coming out with it by the end. That the fact that this show just is like, nope, we're just going to keep going and keeps a pretty steady pace. It feels out of the ordinary and it feels different. I mean, this is how our uh, tsunami rituals are going to be. I I cannot wait for more of them. Yeah, I agree. I'm really curious how some of the historical elements are going to play out because, like, historical fiction is my jam. And now that they've added the Joan of Arc element and clearly Yukihisa and probably Yukimaru because with similar names like that and the fact they both wear that deer helmet, I'm like, all right, you two are related and you're connected to the Sonata family. Like, oh, I want to know how it's all going to pull together because the the lines have clearly been set. Everything is set up and I just got to be patient, but I want to see how it's going to play a part in the story, even if it's not the main focus. Mm. Speaking of things that are not the main focus, let's talk about those female pirate designs. Because they are certainly fun. They feel like they just came running out of the 80s, and I am all here for it. Right? (laughs) 
I, I especially like the the purple haired girl. The like Halloween the pirate. Yes. <laughs> and she speaks with a French accent. <laughs> you don't want to die, do you? I just hope we haven't seen the last of them because they were amazing. Oh, I'm sure they will show up again with <laughs> without Max Ziffer. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and nothing of value was lost. Nope. <laughs> nothing of value was lost. Yeah, great, great design work in this show. The backgrounds are beautiful. Mm-hmm. They said in the oh, in the interviews that they wanted the viewer to feel like they were going on a journey because so many of us can't really go anywhere right now. Mission and accomplished. I I appreciate that sentiment. Yeah, and absolutely. That, yeah, in just a few episodes, we've already been to like four places. That's that's pretty good. Right? And it I, feels immersive without feeling like we're rushing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, And I appreciate the detail and everywhere they go. It feels very real. Hmm. Yes. I would agree. Uh, sp- speaking of Yuki Hisa, it seemed like he was sending a message at the start of the third episode... And it seemed like Abel was receiving a message at the start of the third episode. Mm. I don't, I don't want to find out that Yuki he's is a bad guy. Steve. Then it's just too on the nose that he's voiced by the Shredder. <laughs> oh my God. Wouldn't, wouldn't like that. I'm trying to figure out what Abel's deal is in that. He clearly uh, is looking for Fena for reasons other than to just bring her back to the island. But why why was he going to let her give herself to that creep? (laughs) Because, like, he was there at the same time. But was he fully intending to give her away to Moxiver? Like, yeah, he could have stepped she in escaped and been the hero beforehand. Yeah. That is a good point. I do think perhaps that he was gonna take her away before that happened. Or right. especially maybe like, he's a nobleman, isn't he? Yeah. Like he's yeah. a naval officer, he's high ranking. Yeah. It makes more sense to have someone like Moxiver have the record of purchasing a human being instead of a naval officer. Mm. Throws yes. off the paper trail a little bit also. Well, that is a very, looking that's a very good point. If he is the one that saved her, she would be grateful. It wouldn't feel like slavery to her. Yes. Oh. <laughs> the pieces I've are coming together. To save you, Lady Fena. I am a hero. Totally ignore the slaves in the background, please. Yeah. Right. And we know well, he's a master manipulator just based on the way he acted around Angie. Like the way he acted around her compared to how he's acting now is a complete 180 like he was very suave when he saved her from getting hit by the bottle and acted very heroic but then when we see him at the end of episode four he is like seems hyper obsessed where he's clutching at the painting and talking about yeah yeah he's uh he's he's the the classic handsome guy who turns out to be 
even creepier than the guy who you thought was a creep. <laughs> so uh, Hans from Frozen. There you go. Ah, yes. Or so many Gundam antagonists. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. So many Gundam antagonists. Or, you know, any blonde guy in a trigger anime. Ooh. Right? You're not always, wrong. Always, always the bad guy. Mm. No, wait, kill a kill. What's his name? Hamagori. He is. Well, he's not the bad guy. That's true. Any pale blonde guy. Huh? Huh? Eh. We'll see if those Star Wars shorts that Trigger's working on follow that pattern because there are two pale blonde characters in those. (laughs) It's really blonde, though. It looks more like green. Like, it's I hard to say because they look like Leo. Like I would, I wouldn't say yeah, well, Leo. Was, I, mean, I wouldn't say know, Leo was blonde. We already know the setup of that is that they're twins and uh, the dark side, and they're they're setting up one one to be good, one to be bad. So this is now the uh, Star Wars anime shorts podcast. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> this is my fault. But hey, started, hey, said it, Star Wars, and I and I go yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, but um, in that respect, uh, cool cool animation coming from like all all the big names right now. We got Warner amping up doing all these uh, anime co-productions. You got Disney doing What If and the Star Wars shorts being done in Japan. I like it. I like to see all this all this animation for older audiences being made. I'm very excited. It's good. It's a good change. Amen. It's really neat to see anime being like truly global, especially because I remember a time when it was still really niche. And I'm mm. sure, you know, you both remember that also oh, where, yeah. you know, yeah, you could get it at the store, but it was really expensive and people really didn't know what it was. So you got some weird looks when you tried to get it at the store. You know, or when you try to talk to other people about it. So it's really cool seeing now that it's crossing oceans, literally, Mm -hmm. you know, to create new things. And it really kind of blurs the line that used to be used to define what anime is. Now you can no longer say that anime is something created in Japan by Japanese creators. Because now you can have creators from multiple countries all working on the same project. That's a fair point. It's wonderful. Absolutely. And that is the definition I pretty strongly adhere to. And yet, in this case, you're absolutely right that that is changing the definition. Right. That was always a definition I used, too. But now that there's so many like international co-pros, I'm like, oh, that doesn't work anymore. That's still at least made <laughs> with Japanese studios at the very least in that case, in those situations. Like, eh, mm-hmm. eh. But I get you. And it's really nice to see because. We're also getting stuff we never would have gotten if it had all just been Japanese productions from the beginning to end. I actually kind of feel like this is a return to form, because when I was a kid, we used to get Japanese animations that were made for America. We had Thundercats. That was right. an American-run show, but it was animated in Japan. I mi- And that is different than the anime made in Japan at the time. We've been kind of missing out on these things. It's nice to see it again, kind of. Yeah. I feel like this is at least a bit different in in the regard that uh, those those productions were intended 
like it, it was kind of like farming out the animation to Japan well, more than, than yes. anything else. Yes, but you're not wrong. So Thundercats, I've always been kind of back and forth on whether or not Thundercats is a Japanese-American co-production to the extent of, say, uh, this. <laughs> no, no, it's not like this. Yeah, uh, definitely the, um, the Warner Brothers uh, Thundercats from 2011, that... that done by studio forcey i i would say they uh that is uh th that's more so a anime co-production but i digress but then you always see the people commenting when uh people are trying to debate w whether or not something's anime it's like yeah but animaniacs was animated in japan it was like yes yeah, some episodes <laughs> And basically all those uh, Sunbow, Marvel productions, G.I. Yep, Joe, Joe, Transformers. Yep. Of course, there's plenty of Transformers that are, in fact, anime. But yeah, you, you, know, you, know, you know what I mean. And the first five episodes of the uh, 1987 Ninja Turtles animated by Toei. <laughs> yeah, well, those are the kinds of things I meant. Um, it's nice stuff like that again. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. there, there's more cooperation than back then, but it's also not no cooperation where it's just Japanese shows. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm obviously an anime fan, but I mm -hmm. love seeing the mix because it gets stuff we wouldn't get otherwise. True. True. I agree. But so far, uh, Benna has been a... Very good production, and I can only hope that it continues to be so. So I didn't see any emails, but we did get some uh, responses on Twitter. So first for episode three, uh, Nick Vernon writes, I personally love the episode, and there were so many One Piece vibes from certain scenes. And who sells a knight armor in a clothing store? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Hey, they were in line with your line of thinking. Yeah. And Fabian, uh, a collaborator with Tsunami Faithful, writes in, the blessed boob-to-hip ratio, and then <laughs> offers the Wayne's World image, we're not worthy. <laughs> Excellent choice, Fabian. Excellent choice. Truly a gift of God. <laughs> I'd forgotten about it's like, that. Like I, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to kill you. Let's go on a date sometime. <laughs> okay, kid. That's that's gonna work. Hey, I, I could have killed you, but I didn't. Let's go on a date. Uh... You gotta yeah. admire the audacity to be mid-fight and be like, "Damn, you're hot." Yeah. Let's go out sometime. Yeah, you know. Well, I. I, I think the Halloween pirate might have a thing for uh, Yukimaru. Yes. Well, I mean, who wouldn't? He's tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah, she, she was getting the look. <laughs> Whereas the musket builder is like, I'm going to shoot him now. <laughs> oh, yes, that that is another important detail. They were called out as the Goblin Knights. Yes, they were. When I hear that, I think more along the lines of a Tengu. Than, than like Western goblins. Huh. I, I Interesting. Maybe. I don't know. But goblin knights, 
so it turns out they are neither ninja nor samurai. They are knights. I guess. The round table. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah. Sold the ball. Uh, Alan Fernando writes in, it's giving me lots of goosebumps. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we can all echo that sentiment. And Oscar Vasquez writes in, carrying Tsunami right now. Ooh. That's a bold statement, but... I'm, yeah, I'm I, not I, being inclined to disagree. I, I think that's that, that's me right now. The only thing you can't watch anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> At least in English. Right. Uh, I guess Dark to Ship It In's dub episodes are only on DVD, but... <laughs> Still, who's, who's staying up until 2.30 for watching Naruto Shippuden? <laughs> it's been several years since I watched Naruto Shippuden. Well, the social media team watches it every week. Oh, bless your hearts. You guys are missing out on some prime Kakashi backstory filler right now. Oh, that is true. I should probably watch that. It must. I do like Kakashi. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I think a lot of people would have that sentiment that because Fena is something that you can't really see anywhere else that is definitely carrying Toonami right now. It's a, Toonami's a little dry right now. It's a little. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying My Hero and Food Wars, okay? So there's that, but definitely not uh, at their at their strong points, unfortunately. So, Fena is is the must-watch, and everything else, eh, I might catch it. It's, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I could kind of see where he's coming from. I think mostly because the other shows are all at midpoints right now, mm-hmm. where they're not, like, Fena's all brand new, so it's really exciting. Um, but everything else is, like, just kind of making its way toward whatever climax. Like, My Hero is in the middle of working its way towards the season finale for season five. Um, Food Wars just started, so it's only got the ball, just now got the ball rolling. But Black Clover is starting to ramp up pretty intensely because it's getting closer to the season finale. Oh, you know, and that, and that last fight between Dante and Captain Yami this weekend was super intense. And I think just because it's at 2 a.m., uh, not many people are staying up to watch it. <laughs> so maybe that's why it kind of feels that way. Um, and then Dragon Ball Super is almost over, so. Yeah, probably just started over. <laughs> Don't say suddenly, that. <laughs> and then suddenly Dragon Ball Don't Z kind starts, me. and then we get Raditz landing. It'd be, it'd be like the old ni- uh, 90s reruns of Dragon Ball Z. It's like, okay, we ran out, so it's time for Raditz. I mean, I would prefer that. I mean, I would too, but, you know. That's that's a nostalgia bomb that I can get behind, but uh, I I don't think that they should license the show just to put it at three thirty. No, probably, probably not. Pro- probably not a good use of money. I would tend to agree uh, with you. Yeah, but uh, yay, Doctor Stone reruns. That's Heck yeah. that is that's quite all right with me. I'm very behind Doctor Stone. <laughs> why I keep writing things about it. <laughs> now you can just watch it like it's new. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not as excited about Doctor Stone. I'm glad you guys are, though. Eh, fair enough. I mean, I'm well ahead in the manga, so I, I was excited before it even started. Mm. 
I I will say I don't think this season was nearly as strong as parts of the first season, but yeah. I can I can agree with that. There neither neither nor there. There are certain things still, I didn't like, but yeah. Even a so-so episode of Doctor Stone's still pretty entertaining to me. So there's that. Uh, I felt like I was just being talked to for 30 minutes, which is why I had. I was like, okay, I get it. You're a scientist. Now go do science instead of telling me the science, please. <laughs> Exposition dumps. Yeah. No thanks. Not my favorite. Mm. So we asked our listeners what their favorite moments of episode four were. And responses we got. Uh, don't Senpai put up a clip from. Oh, gee, is this Central Intelligence, I think? No, right along. It's a. Uh, <laughs> which Kevin Hart movie is this from? Uh, right along, where Kevin Hart is trying to fire off a gun and <laughs> flies back into a box and is like, ah! That is basically what happened in Fena. He's yeah, not he wrong. He is not wrong. my stomach and my chest. Uh, Rob Bullingmore wrote, The whole episode was amazing. There's an Amor of questions. I also like the scene with Fena learning skills. She will be able to master those skills. Smiley face heart. Well, that's, that's a bold claim, but I, I hope she picks up some of it. I'm glad you have so much faith in Fena, Rob. I hope she does, too. <laughs> I think I'll pick up some I, of it. <laughs> I honestly don't know what weapon would suit her. It's whatever powers will manifest as hinted at in the opening song with the glowing heart. Oh. And being La Pucelle. She has powers. I can just sense it. So I know she does. She's going to be the part of Captain Planet where she goes, Heart! <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, uh, Soon Jung Kim wrote in the Joan of Arc reveal. So many implications. Right. You're right. Uh, Zero Convoy wrote in, honestly, the montage of everyone helping Fena learn his skill. It was very fun. It was very fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. If only there were, I don't know, some montage music. You need a montage. <laughs> I don't know, that Yuki Kajira score was pretty good. There was a it lot worked. of nice musical pieces in this episode. The the opening dream sequence, I was like, oh, this is very dot hack. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I like I like this. Yeah. Dear listener, did you know that she wrote the music for both dot hack and sword art online? Oh, blew your mind, didn't I? <laughs> she did. Yeah, lots of lots of great musical pieces in this. Uh, Stephen Barnhart wrote in the explosion of the gun that made me laugh so hard. Yes, yes. And James Sewell wrote in Fena's jealousy. Lol. Yes, <laughs> yes. Fena's jealousy when she saw Arya touching Yukimura was. <laughs> I said it wrong again, but oh man, that was, <laughs> that was precious. All right, boys, it's time to make our predictions. How long until Fena and Yukimura kiss or Yukimaru? 
<laughs> you have been infected. Uh, I have been infected. It's like a zombie virus. Yes. But anyway, how be... long till how... they kiss? They fight how... all the time. Episode how 10. long until they kiss? Oh. I'm calling episode 10. Two, with two episodes left to deal with whatever they're dealing with. That's my guess. Mmm. Mmm. I'm going to make the bold. 12. That is, that is a fair... That is a fair uh, assessment. I I think I think it's gonna happen sooner, just to ratchet up the awkward. I'm all for it if that happens. Ooh. I just don't see it, but I hey, I'll take it. I, I think it'll happen around episode eight. All right, but it does seem more likely that they will not really uh, make a move towards affection until later. So that's well Fena has to have a revelation about her memories first. Mm. Yukimaru you I'm gonna stop myself. Yukimaru <laughs> Yukimaru remembers everything. She barely remembers anything. And that totally colors his interactions with her. So she has to remember things first. And as she remembers things, then her feelings will deepen. I can see it now. Well, I think she's already got pretty deep feelings for him. But yeah, she definitely needs to uh, unlock some of those memories. We just need to hire Roger Smith. I'll take care of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> the city of amnesia. People are not ruled by their memories, Laser. That's true. That's what I hear. <laughs> a wise man once told me that. Yeah. A wise man with a giant robot. Uh, uh, most wise men have giant robots, <laughs> don't you know? So you definitely want to listen to him. Yeah, absolutely. Always, always listen to the wise man with the giant robot. This is good life advice. I would say so. I would say so. Well, uh, any uh, other thoughts? I don't have any about these two particular episodes because even though it feels like a lot happened, most of it is just to get the plot moving forward. Mm -hmm. Like there's not anything because even with the Joan of Arc reveal, we don't know enough to really speculate what that could mean. We don't know what this version of Joan of Arc is. So exactly. For yeah, all we know, is... it's for all we know, it's the Drifter's Joan of Arc, and in which case this is really bad. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm kidding, but still. Let's, let's hope not. No, obviously it's the fate Joan of Arc. Ah, yes. there you go. <laughs> but then it begs the question, which Joan of Arc? Because there's so many in fate. Are we oh. getting are oh. we getting Lily Jean, Alter Jean? Like what Beach John? Beach John. <laughs> Alter Beach John. Which one are we getting? Let's go with Alter Beach John. They're sailing. Sick. I'm down for it. Let's do it. All right, let's make this happen, everybody. We just have to, we have to petition them to make sure that that happens. Well, if you missed your opportunity to chime in on any of the previous episodes of Fena, please do uh, send us your commentary at podcast at tunamifaithful.com. Uh, put the subject line Fena something so that it's easier to find. We would appreciate that. And uh, you can also use the hashtag Toonami Talkback to 
chime in on Fena Pirate Princess. And we hope that you do, because we'd, we'd love to have your commentary to add to ours. And you can listen to this podcast by going to soundcloud.com backslash Toonami Faithful Podcast, where you can also find, of course, the Toonami Faithful Podcast, which is our main show. And it should also be on all of your iTunes, uh, all, <laughs> iTunes, all your feeds, iTunes, Google Music, Spotify. And now we're on Amazon. Ooh. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle, everybody. Gonna die. We cue have that, fun uh, end games. <laughs> cue that Bo Burnham song about Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> I don't think I'm familiar, but it sounds funny no. already. Oh, I'll link it to you when we're done. Okay. It's no, one of the only good TikTok memes right now. <laughs> I'm too old for TikTok memes. Help. Oh, man, TikTok. You young people in your TikToks. You young people in your TikToks and your Instagrams and Instagrams. Yeah. Instagrams. <laughs> Try new oh Instagrams. God. A delicious bowl of Instagrams. <laughs> Part of a balanced breakfast. Brought to you from Kellogg's. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned Kellogg's. Which you you know you know why cornflakes were made, right? Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a polite family podcast, so we're not gonna talk about that. Oh <laughs> my god. Just Google it yourselves, everyone. You'll find out or not. Yes. Just Google it yourselves. Or don't. <laughs> probably probably better not probably to. Probably better not to. Oh oh boy. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, Celia, where can they find you? You can find me on Facebook at Celia Rose Cosplay and on Twitter at Planets Twinkle. I'm also one of the uh, social media team members running all of the Toonami Faithful accounts. So all of our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Anytime you comment on our posts or tag us, I see it. All right. And Laser, where can they find you? Well, people can find me on Twitter at LaserKidPrime. You can find my uh, Toonami Focus editorials right here on Toonami Faithful. Uh, you can also find me on the Dumb Weebs podcast and occasionally on the Demon Slayer podcast. Okay. You can find me on Twitter at Sketch1984. And if you are hungry for more in-depth Fena coverage, we have reviews from CJ Maffris on ToonamiFaithful.com where he is reviewing the series every week, which uh, could tide you over until the next time we have a Fenacast, which, if you haven't figured it out, is only every other week, because we felt like maybe one episode wasn't enough to talk about, so we decided to try two, and we it seems to work out pretty well. I, I, think, I think we'll stick to this. But hey... If uh, you have an opinion on that, feel free to drop us a line. Again, podcast at tsunamifaithful.com or you know, bug me on Twitter. It's it's fine. <laughs> Whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, so until next time, uh, we're raising anchor. Arr, arr, arr. We are the pirates who don't do anything. We just stay it all and lie around. 
to anything And I never hoist the mainstay And I never swam the protect And I never veer starboard Cause I never sail at all And I never walk And I never run to And I've never been to Boston in the fall Cause we're the pirates who don't do anything And I'm not too good at ping pong And I've never thrown my mashed potatoes up against the wall And I've never kissed a chipmunk And I've never gotten hit last And I've never been to Boston in the fall uh-huh. Fire and Captain's Love 2002 Who be this man, Reliant Yeah. 